Our scripture this morning is from Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to, into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because his teaching, he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. And just then a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. And they were all amazed. And so they began to ask each other, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Amen. Amen. Well, great to see you today. Today we're continuing our series called Walk This Way. We've been talking about walking with Jesus this summer. And I'm so excited today to share with you these verses. Uh, it's interesting, Jesus is referred to as an authority when he teaches and when he does. And there's two sections of this, of this passage that relate to, to Jesus uh, teaching in the synagogue and then healing this man who is possessed by an evil spirit. And Jesus led people by what he said and what he did. It's interesting, all the way through the scriptures, all the way through the gospels, Jesus says things and then he does them. So like in Mark, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uh, is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, but then right after, he heals a leper. And that's what we see right here in Mark chapter 1. Jesus is teaching, he's exercising his authority that God has given to him. And then, then uh, this demon-possessed man shows up and Jesus expresses his authority by casting out this evil spirit. Here's where we're going today. And this is the, the big idea, the theme of, of, I think, this passage of Scripture. When I follow Jesus' words and deeds, God protects me. Now you notice that Jesus' authority is mentioned. It's mentioned twice in this passage. And sometimes when we hear about authority, we think, Wow, I really didn't want to come to church today to hear about authority. You know, I wanted to come to church today and just feel good and, you know, talk about the joy of the Lord and peace and prosperity and all those kind of things. And that's true and that's good. That's good. But there's something powerful about the authority of Jesus because the authority of Jesus is never to control us. The authority of Jesus is always to protect us. And when you are protected, then God can bless you. So whenever we see the scripture talk about authority, it's always about protection. If we live our lives under the authority of God, we will be protected. If we do the things that God has asked us to do, if our life is about the things that Jesus has taught us, then we will be protected, and when we're protected, we are blessed. You know, when I was a high school kid, I went to a Bible conference one time, and the speaker, who you guys have probably never heard of before, talked about authority 
in the context of an umbrella. And he said, when you get under God's authority, it's like operating under an umbrella. I thought, that is awesome. That is great. I still remember that. I was in high school a long time ago. And then a few years ago, I heard another pastor, uh, a preacher, uh, Ed Young, uh, he used an umbrella to talk about authority as well. And so I brought my umbrella to kind of help us download a little bit of this truth. I don't really like umbrellas. I'm not really an umbrella fella. I don't know about you, but I always feel like it's a lot of extra work to take the umbrella. How many of us would rather just get wet? Yeah, most of us. Yeah, my wife's always got like three umbrellas. She's always like small, medium, and large. She's got the one that kind of ejects out the handle, like the little compact one that becomes bigger, and she's got a big one and all that. But I'm like, forget all that. I went to college in a town where it rained like three or four times a week, and I never took an umbrella. I'm not an umbrella guy, but umbrellas can be extremely helpful. They can be extremely beneficial if you use them correctly because sometimes there's rain, sometimes there's hail, sometimes there is snow. And if you're Michael Jackson, you may want to use it to protect yourself from the sun. You never know. Umbrellas are really great. They really are. And they provide protection for wherever you want to go. And God has given us authority. God has given us protection in his word and in the teachings of Jesus. When we get under the teachings of Jesus, we are living under the authority of God. When we begin to kind of do things our own way, we are hounded by hail, we are pelted by rain, and we're not under the protection that God has designed for us. When we get under God's protection, that's where the blessings come. And everybody loves to have the blessings, but the question is, can we live under the authority of Jesus? Now, the the reason that uh, we have a problem with authority, it goes way back, all the way to the beginning of time. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, Lucifer, Satan himself had a huge problem with authority. He caused a rebellion in the heavens. And it's talked about in Isaiah chapter 14. These are the words of and the thoughts of the enemy here. I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars. I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. When we have authority issues, it begins with an I problem. It begins with I. It begins with me. And in the beginning, many, many years ago, Satan led a rebellion in heaven. And it all began with I. I can't get under authority because I. But when we have a problem with authority, we have a problem with God. And God always works through authority. This is God's design. This is God's plan. Now, I realize this is difficult because many times we have our own plans. We have our own ideas. But I want to illustrate for you from this passage how we can get under God's great authority. How can I get under the umbrella of Jesus? Number one is simply this. Jesus protects me through his words. Now, how can I get under the authority of Jesus? I gotta gotta read what he said. I gotta listen 
to the words of Jesus. Look again in Mark 1.21. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority, not like the scribes. Now, when Jesus shows up in Capernaum, this is the home base of Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. Jesus gave many of his teachings. He performed many of his miracles in this Galilean fishing village called Capernaum. This was home base. And Jesus begins by going to the synagogue. The synagogue is the Jewish house of worship. And uh, every weekend, people, uh, the scribes would open the Old Testament prophets. They would read from them. They would expound. They would teach. It was not uncommon for a visiting rabbi to be asked to speak in the synagogue. And obviously, Jesus was asked to do so. And Jesus was different, though. I mean, Jesus began to teach with what the Bible calls authority. He wasn't like everybody else. But before we get to that, I just love the fact that Jesus wanted to be in the house of God. Jesus was not a spiritual isolationist. He was not somebody that was kind of just off doing his own thing. He wanted to congregate with the people of God, and he wanted his ministry to center around the house of worship. And the same should be true in our life. We should love to be in the house of God. We should love to be in the place of worship. But as Jesus expressed this, the people were astonished. And this word astonished in the language of the New Testament is a word that means to strike one out of one's senses with fear, awe, and joy. In other words, Jesus' teaching was like he had slapped people upside the head and their mind was exploding with all of the deep and profound and amazing things that Jesus was saying. I mean, people were going crazy. They are loving the teaching of Jesus. We never thought about it that way before. Oh my goodness, how did you get that? Where did that come from? And, and it was like Jesus was speaking and he was an authority and they were used to hearing the scribes. Now, the scribes were the religious leaders of Judaism. And oftentimes they would take a passage of scripture, they would read it, they would expound on it. But a lot of their teaching was quoting, quoting the, 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 the old rabbis. And so sometimes listening to the scribes speak was like reading an academic journal with tons of footnotes. You know, well, so-and-so rabbi said it this way, and so-and-so rabbi thought it like this, and so-and-so rabbi. It wasn't very authoritative. It was kind of dry. It was kind of crusty. It was very academic. But what Jesus said astounded the people. It was amazing. It was powerful. And five times in the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel writer uses this word, astonished, related to the teachings of Jesus. So it wasn't just true in this day in the synagogue. It was true really every time Jesus opened his mouth. But he spoke also with authority. Do you see that word there? I mean, Joseph didn't, I mean Jesus didn't speak by his own authority. Jesus spoke by God's authority. And Jesus' teaching was so profound and so amazing because he was creative. He used illustrations he, he, he had specific insights into 
the passage and to whatever he was talking about. And, and this put Jesus in a whole nother category of teacher. And, and so the people in the synagogue this day are like, we've never heard this before. This is a new teaching. What in the world is going on? Who is this guy, by the way? Um, Jesus' teaching was grounded, first of all. It was built on the Word of God. Jesus was not teaching something new. He was teaching something that was old, but he was just explaining it in a way that, that was profound and, and amazing to people. Jesus' authority is seen in this, um, and that's so important because, you know, today we live in a time where everybody is an expert. Everybody has a YouTube channel. Everybody is a self-proclaimed life coach, you know? Hey, I'm 17 years old. I've never had a full-time job before. I've never had kids. I've never been married. But I am an authority, and I'm going to help you achieve your dreams in life, you know? And everybody's got a private Facebook group, and everybody's a life coach, and everybody's a guru, and everybody's a consultant, you know? Jesus had the stuff. When Jesus spoke, it was the real deal. And his teaching was grounded in the Word of God. His teaching was practical. One of the reasons that we love practical Bible teaching at Edge Church, this is the heart of Jesus. If you hear Bible teaching that's not tied to application or implementation into your life, that's not real Bible teaching. Jesus' teaching tied deep, profound theological truths to daily application and living. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the practice of Jesus. This is real Bible teaching is when, when, when teaching is not just unloading knowledge, but it is helping people put knowledge into their daily life. That, that's real Bible teaching. That's the way that we teach at Edge Church. It's from the heart of Jesus. And Jesus' teaching was also simple. I mean, it was simple. I don't mean that it wasn't profound. I just mean that it was simple. Your teaching can be simple and not be simplistic. Jesus' teaching was profound. It was mind-blowing, and yet it was simple. Jesus talked about things like worry and paying taxes and loving people and dealing with haters and fear and things like that. And this is why people love to hear Jesus teach. This is why we should love to read the Gospels. Because Jesus' teaching is echoed all the way through uh, in, in this regard. What are some things that Jesus says? How can we get under the umbrella of Jesus and follow his teachings? Let me give you a couple of examples. One might be loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. Jesus talked about loving your enemies. I have to work on that one. Jesus also said we ought to pray for our enemies. Why do you think Jesus would say pray for your enemies. I mean, I got some enemies. I might like to slap them, but pray for them. Come on now, somebody. Why would we pray for the people who have hurt us, the people who have oppressed us? Shouldn't I spend my time praying for myself or my, maybe my loved ones or maybe my personal circumstances? I think there was some wisdom in the heart of Jesus. Jesus I think one of the reasons he was asking us to pray for our enemies was because he knew that if we would pray for them, we wouldn't be so bitter. It's really amazing. When you begin to pray for somebody, and you begin to pray for God's goodness 
and God's blessings in a person's life, it's really hard to hate. It's really hard to be bitter. And perhaps Jesus was trying to protect and guard our hearts by challenging us to pray for the people who have hurt us, to pray for the people who have disappointed us, to pray for the people who have let us down. When we do that, we live under the authority of Jesus. Jesus also said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. In other words, if you'll put the kingdom first, if you'll put God first, then God will take care of everything else. If you'll put the kingdom first, guess what? God will take care of your finances. If you'll put the kingdom first, God will take care of your family. If you'll put the kingdom first, God will take care of whatever needs that you may have. It's, it's living with a kingdom mentality and a kingdom, kingdom attitude. Uh, this is why Jesus talked about it. Jesus said the first will be last. In other words, the way to greatness is the way of humility. When we live with humility, we live under the authority of Jesus. He said also don't worry about tomorrow. You know, that, that's, that's a tough one. Many of us today are worrying about tomorrow, the next day, the next week. How about that? The next month, the next year. Some of us are worried about the next decade. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. I think he knew that we would be absolutely overwhelmed with worry if we were always worried about tomorrow. Just think about all the things that you could worry about. You could worry about it. Jesus says, don't, don't worry about that. You, has worry ever made anything in your life better? Has worry ever fixed something? Has worry ever emboldened you and empowered you to, to, to be a better decision maker or a better Christ follower? Forget it. No way. Jesus says, don't, don't do it. And when we follow these things, we live under the authority of Jesus. It's awesome. The teaching of Jesus, the word of Jesus is what we need. So Jesus protects me through his words. Now, it's interesting. Jesus is having this amazing teaching, and the people are responding. Their minds are exploding. There is great enthusiasm for the teachings of Jesus. And guess what happens? The devil shows up. Wait a second. Wait a second, how could he show up in such a sacred moment? How could the enemy come in when people's hearts were being so ignited and so transformed? That's what the devil is always doing. He's always an interrupter. He loves to show up when God is doing his greatest work in our life. Look, look at verse 23, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, this, this spirit, this demon, is actually submitting to the authority of Jesus. I mean, do you see it? This demon doesn't want to fight Jesus. He's like, Jesus, you're about to kick my booty. Jesus, what are you going to do? There is no question in this spirit's mind who is in charge. 
I mean, Jesus is the boss. Yes, the devil is an enemy. Yes, the devil is a, is a schemer and a trickster. And yes, he's powerful. But listen, compared to Jesus, he's got nothing. He's got nothing on Jesus. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Listen, the demons know who Jesus is. They know exactly who he is. And listen, if the demons could submit to Jesus like they did here, how much more do we need to submit to the Son of God? Oh my goodness. We need to, to seek Jesus' protection in his words and, and also in his deeds. Because in verse 25 it says, Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent. And come out of him, and the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, and he shouted with a loud voice, and he came out of him. And they were all amazed, okay, that just like they were amazed at his teaching, now they're amazing at it, amazed at his practice. So they began to ask each other, what is this, a new teaching with authority? So you see amazement and authority in both instances here. And he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, the news spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Yes, of course they did. Yes. So Jesus protects me in his deeds. Jesus protects me in his deeds. What he does, what he says, and what he does. But let's dig a little deeper here into the deeds of Jesus. Jesus is in the business of setting people free. In Mark chapter 1, this man is oppressed He's, he's actually possessed, this particular man. Demonic activity can happen by possession or oppression. How does that happen? When we open our lives up to the spiritual realm, we can be oppressed or possessed by demonic spirits. It's true. Things have not changed. It's true. I'm not the guy that sees a demon under every park bench or every tree, but... but to minimize the work of the enemy is to make a critical mistake. A few years ago, a single mom in our church called the church office. She said, Pastor, I need you to talk to my son. And he's, he can't sleep at night. He's hearing voices. He's got all these, these problems that are going on. He needs to come and talk to you. And so this, this 11-year-old boy who played on my basketball team, who came to church, Came and sat down with me, brought his mother. We got some church leaders together. We listened to this boy talk about the demonic oppression that had taken place in his life. He had, he had slept with the lights on since he was five years old. He's now 11. Never could turn the lights out. He would hear voices at night. He would have thoughts of suicide. He, he felt like the voices were telling him to steal stuff. And the Spirit had told him, if you tell anybody about what's going on, I'm going to kill your mother. So he was terrified. And he felt like he had to do whatever he was being told to do. But that afternoon, as we called on the name of Jesus, this young man was liberated and he was set free. And I talked to him sometime later and he said, Pastor Ron, it's the craziest thing. I haven't heard the voice. I haven't heard the influence of that Spirit since we prayed together. You see, the power of Jesus showed up in this young man's life, and he was freed. I want you to know the same Jesus that freed this 
demoniac here in Mark chapter 1 is liberating people today. The same Jesus is the one who is liberating people from the lies of the enemy. He's the one that is liberating us from addictive behaviors. He's the one that is liberating us from the influence of the enemy and so many other things. To know Jesus, to walk under the authority of Jesus is to live a life of freedom. It's freedom. See, it's not bondage to be under authority. It's freedom. It's liberation. I'm not living under the control of sin. I'm not living under the control of doubt. I'm not living under the control of unbelief. I am living under the authority of Jesus, and there is nothing more liberating than than that. Jesus also sets me straight. How does Jesus work in my life living under the authority of Jesus? Well, sometimes I need to be corrected. Sometimes I need to be directed. Luke chapter 9 tells us the story of the sons of thunder, James and John. They're two of the 12 disciples. And they want to introduce Jesus to a group of Samaritans, and the Samaritans are not interested. They're kind of like, no thank you. And James and John take it personal. They're ticked. We want you to meet the same Jesus that we met. And you know what they do? They say, Jesus, let's call down some fire from heaven. Let's just roast them. I mean, come on, Jesus. Let's blow the whole city up. Fire, brimstone, whatever else you want to bring, Lord, just just give us the word. And we'll call it down right now. And Jesus begins to rebuke them. He's like, you fool. You can't toast people just because you don't like what they do. And Jesus corrects them. See, when we live under the authority of Jesus, Jesus will correct us. When we have thoughts in our mind that are not in accordance with God's word and God's truth, Jesus will correct us. When, when, when we have actions and deeds that, 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 that are not a part of God's plan, God God will direct us and redirect us and protect us. And and, and Jesus is the one who sets us straight. Jesus is also the one that sets us apart. He sets us apart in John 15. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. You will never live under God's authority if you're trying to be like everyone else. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, you're not like your next door neighbor. You're not like everybody at work. You, you, you're different. You're different. You, you, you stand out. The Bible uses the word set apart. The way you think, what motivates you, what inspires you, What drives you, the way you talk, the actions, the places you go on the weekend, you're set apart. Listen, I hope the only difference between you and your neighbor is not that you do all the same things that they do, but you just go to church on Sunday. I hope there's something deep down, I hope that you have an abiding relationship with Jesus that sets you apart. You're different. You're different. Jesus sets me apart. That's the work of Jesus 
in our life. I'll tell you, one of the greatest arenas where we live under God's authority and we're different is in the sexual arena. See, God has given us his commands and his truths. When we live under God's authority with our sexuality, when our sexuality is under the umbrella of God, we walk in protection. When we begin to get outside of that umbrella, that's when we have so, so many problems. So many problems. Uh, I, I have the privilege of counseling couples sometimes before they get married. And one of the hardest topics to discuss is people's sexual history. In fact, I've never met a husband that said, you know what, I wish that my wife would have been more promiscuous before we got together, you know? I've never met a wife that said, you know, I wish my husband would have gotten around a little bit more. No, no, no. It, it, it's, always, it's always the opposite, isn't it? And so many marriages today are struggling because of the baggage that has been dragged into the relationship because of past mistakes and decisions. If we would have lived under God's authority, it could have been so much different. Now, I believe in the power and the grace of God as much as anybody. God heals wounds. God heals hurts. God brings people together. That's true. But let's be honest. There's a lot of pain and a lot of struggle in a lot of homes because we have colored outside the lines and we've gone our own direction. We've gone our own way. Jealousy. Other issues that come up when individuals are doing this. Students, teenagers, young people, you're not thinking about the rest of your life. You're just thinking about having fun and being young and having the college experience or whatever it may be. You're not thinking about how is this really going to impact the rest of my life, the decisions I'm making today. However, it is so, so, so important. If you will live under the protection of God... It will set a trajectory for the rest of your life. You want to be blessed by God? You want to be protected by God? Live under the authority of Jesus. Do what Jesus has asked us to do. It's a huge, huge, huge part of it. And sometimes we, when we begin to kind of do our own thing in the sexual arena, we start bonding with people. And we're not sure if we really love them or if we love it, and it confuses things. And listen, I know people that can have sex, but they can't communicate and talk. And where that stems from is by pushing the fast forward button on relationships and doing this instead of this. This is what God wants for us, man. Live under the umbrella of protection. God has a plan. You might not understand all the ramifications of it. You may not have total clarity. Why did God say this? Why did Jesus say that? But listen, if you'll take him at his word, you'll live a protected life. So important. So, so important. Jesus also sets me on fire. I mean, Jesus sets me on fire. What does Jesus do 
in my life. You know what? When I'm living under the umbrella of God, my heart will be ignited for Jesus. Look at this in in Acts 4.20. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. They were trying to shut the apostles up. Quit talking about Jesus so much. They're like, we cannot stop. You know, when you truly meet the Son of God, you cannot be quiet. You cannot quit talking about Him. You just can't do it. And people may put you down, and people may give you a hard time. But you know what? You're speaking about what you've seen and heard. You know what Jesus has done in you. And Jesus will set a fire in your heart. God's protection when I follow what Jesus says. Let's break this down into a couple of categories. What about parents? Because, you know, parents are an umbrella. A God-given, a God-given umbrella is parents. Now, students, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, you don't know my parents. <laughs> you know, my parents are so old, and they're like 20th century people, and I'm alive in the 21st century. They don't understand what it's like to be the youth of today. Well, that may be true a little bit. By the way, I don't think that middle school or high school or college students are doing anything today that they weren't doing when your parents were your age, but maybe they don't understand everything. But at the same time, God has given you protection, and if you will listen to the things that your parents are telling you, you will be protected. You will be blessed. I was talking with my teenage boy the other day. He said, Dad, we were studying MLK at school. Do you remember what it was like when he was assassinated? Do you remember that day? I was like, well, son, I'm not that old. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm old, right? I know you think I'm really old, but I'm not that old, you know? I'm not that old. Give me a little credit. You may be looking at your parents going, my parents are so old. God's given parents to you, though, as an umbrella of protection. Don't don't forget about it. If your parents have a curfew for you, if your parents are telling you, hey, hang with these friends, not those friends. If they're saying date these people, not that people. If your parents are saying you need to come and participate in the student ministry here at the church, listen to your parents They can help you more than you think. And you know what? When you get to be an adult, you can make all your own decisions and do your own thing. But God's given you a great umbrella. Another umbrella is government. God designed government. That doesn't mean that the government always makes all of the right decisions, but we can learn to submit to authority with government. Um, You know, paying taxes, uh, obeying laws. Of the land. Now, if the law ever contradicts the law of God, we go with God first, but that's the minority. That's the minority. I am an amazing jaywalker. I love to jaywalk. Do we have any jaywalkers in the house today? I just want to know. Is it a total waste of time to walk to the crosswalk? This probably wouldn't be a big deal in my marriage, except that my wife is a total rule follower. My wife will walk an extra half mile to go across the crosswalk. I'm like, look both ways and run. You know, that's, that's, my, that's my mindset. And yes, I have almost been run over a couple of times. That's true. I am a passionate jaywalker. But I've had to learn to be married. I have to be a little tamer. 
I'm always like, honey, where's the crosswalk? (laughs) Government, parents, employers. You don't know my boss. My boss is a jerk. My boss doesn't respect me. My boss isn't paying me. My boss isn't doing what I know he should be doing. She's so mean. She's so outrageous. What are we going to do? Well, the Bible says we got to submit to authority. We have to live under, under the umbrella of God. Do we gossip in the office place? Do we push back? Do we argue? Do we fight? Do we throw a fit? Do we pout? Do we get upset? What, 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 what do we do? What do we do? Or can we submit? See, listen, if you have an authority problem, you have a problem with God. Because God is the one that ordained authority. You think you just got a problem with that one individual. You got a problem with God. To walk with God, you have to walk under authority. Maybe your kid is playing on the um, all-world lacrosse team, and you're convinced that your kid is the best lacrosse player in the state. But for some reason, they're not getting the playing time that some of the other kids are getting. And you know that your kid is better. What do you do? Do you write emails? Do you stir up the parents? Do you make little comments? Do you argue? Do you fight? Do you do that? Or can you get under authority? There's so many adults, so many people today that have never learned the lesson of following leadership and following authority, and it is a big deal with God. If you want to have a prosperous life, if you want to have a protected life, if you want to have a life that God's hand is really on, you got to listen to what Jesus says, you got to do what Jesus says to do, and when you do that, you will live under the umbrella of Jesus and you will be protected, and you will be blessed. Would you pray with me for just a moment?